This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 152, Thoughts About Life After Death with Wesley White. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Becky Higgins, and with me is my friend and co-host, Becky Proudfit. And? And? We have my hunka hunka burn in love over what? here. Mr. Taylor Proudfit. Welcome, Is Taylor. joining us for just the intro section of yeah. this very special episode. Well, there's no one better to introduce right. our guest Okay, today. let me give you a little mm-hmm. context, though. Um, so Taylor and I have someone very special in our lives. And for those of you that know, we are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And um, children, I guess teens between the ages of 18 and 21, have the opportunity, if they so choose, to go on a mission and to dedicate a couple years of their life solely to learning about and teaching others about the awesomeness of Jesus Christ. That's right. And thankfully, my husband decided to go on one such Thank mission. Goodness. And in each mission, there is a couple that is put in charge of all the missionaries. So of that area. Of mm-hmm. the area. And mm-hmm. they're kind of like the mom and dad of the missionaries. Mm-hmm. The mission president and his wife. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, because I met Taylor while he was on his mission, I also have the opportunity to know Taylor's mission president. People don't know the story of how you met. That's another story for another day. Have we not told I, that yet? Back. That's that is a whole episode in and of itself. Once upon a time. No, not now. <laughs> we'll go there another time. But um, because I knew Taylor on his mission, I also had the opportunity to know his amazing mission president yep. and mission president's wife. Mm-hmm. Do you want to introduce your mission president? Yes. Who is Wes White? Because let me tell you, I think there's very, this might be the most impactful man in Taylor's life. Yeah. Well, let's hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, President White was my mission president. So as a missionary, you are out in the field and you're working hard every day. And there, uh, this man and this woman are <laughs> essentially your parents while you're out there serving a mission. You can't call home. You can't talk to your parents. You couldn't email. Well, it used to be that way. Now you can call home. Yeah. Yeah, Back then you couldn't. Mm -hmm. Right. You could write letters. Mm -hmm. And so um, our only contact from any sort of uh, spiritual or emotional leader was our mission president and his wife. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had the opportunity about a year into my mission, uh, actually, so six months into my mission, I've been missionary for six months, and my mission president that, that had introduced me to the mission had gone home, mm-hmm. and President mm-hmm. Sister White came, and they became our new mission parents. And where did you serve? I didn't even Orlando, say that. Florida. Yep. Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. And I remember when President and Sister White came uh, into the mission, and we had our first interview. They interview you one-on-one just to see how you're doing and check in with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember meeting President White and thinking that we had a, a pretty special connection, and I mm. knew, I knew that I would learn a lot from this man, and to, and he would teach me a lot about what it meant to be a spiritual leader in my home, um, in my church, and in my life, and I was really excited for that. And about a year into my mission, I ended up having the opportunity to work very closely with um, President White mm-hmm. um, for the next twelve months as we worked very hard side by side, and as he taught me how to listen to the Spirit. Mm. how to hear the voice of my Heavenly Father speak to me and how to share that with others. Mm. And so um, it was really kind of special, too, because he was also involved as my mentor after my mission. Mm-hmm. I would call him continually mm. and ask him <laughs> questions. And I love that. Especially getting involved with Becky a little bit oh, and yeah. had some questions about that and our yep. wedding and things. And uh, President White was uh, had some very special experiences that he was able to share with me to help guide us through those experiences. So mm. he's very, very special to me in my in my life, and so is Sister White as well. The reason why President White is here is not just because he's an incredible man, but he has written a book. And we tell you in the episode the title of the book, but I kind of wanted to give you the title right here at the start as well, so you know what we're talking about. And um, the book is called Where Do We Go From Here? The Answers to Your Questions About Our Next Life. And it's from Wesley M. White. I just wanted to give that context. Okay, honey, do it now. But first, let's hear a quick word from this week's sponsor. (laughs) 
Nice. <laughs> we want to tell you about something that costs you seriously zero dollars. Not even a penny. And there's no catch to this, guys. No tricks up our sleeve. We want you to know about an online mini course that is 100% Free. This mini course is all about an approach to documenting that will help you to literally be the author of your own story. But that feels so overwhelming, you might say. Or maybe you don't feel like you have interesting stories to tell. Or you don't feel like a good writer. Or you for sure can't fit another project into your life right now. We hear you. We feel you. Every concern you have, every roadblock you face, you are not alone. You know BH has your back in breaking it all down, right? You have learned to trust her guidance in documenting, and this mini course is no exception. In fact, the reason it's free is because of how strongly she feels about making it accessible to everyone, no matter your stage of life or circumstances. I call this specific approach to documenting my modern story, and I can't wait to have you join me. Be prepared to be inspired and even delightfully surprised about not only how doable this is, but how enriching it can be for your whole life. Grab your free seat at classroom.beckyhiggins.com today. I was telling Becky earlier today that of all the people that I have ever met, I think that Wes White comes as close to being exactly what I would imagine Heavenly Father being like if he was a human being on this earth. Like you, he is one of the most impactful people in both my life and in Taylor's life. In fact, so much so that we named our firstborn son after him. That's isn't that unbelievable. so fun? No, we we love That's a huge standard that we love man. President White so so much. And the bar has been set so high for Weston, your son, mm-hmm. being named after him. And dare I say, I think he's doing a fantastic job with I it. I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. We are so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming and chatting with us. I especially appreciate that we have a little variety in the vocal experience of our guests. We right. typically have, we have, we've had a few men, but um, we're so excited to have you. Probably none as old as I. Uh, so. You know what? We can check into that. You might hold a record. Congratulations. Uh, uh, I know. I we'll it. have to check and see yeah. if Wayne Allgaier, mm-hmm. what his, mm-hmm. we'll what have his to compare age? the two. And I'd like uh, Becky to write my obituary, too. Oh, after does she know that? I accept. I will do it. Oh, it. there's no one that so. will articulate better how you want it to be. <laughs> oh, you're very, very sweet. And the but, reason, But not for a few years, Becky, oh, please. I think it's going to be many, 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 many years. <laughs> You've right? got a while to go. Yes. I you are full so. of energy. I love it. And so we invited Wes here today because he has actually written a book. Mm-hmm. And man, books are such a labor of love. Um, so tell us the experience with kind of this subject matter of the afterlife like how how did this even come to be how did your book come to be okay well it was a it was a prompting that i should write a book uh about the spirit world i never intended to write a book sounded like way too much more work and i usually (laughs) am kind of a outdoors guy i'm glad to go out and mow the lawn Mm. and get and spend some time outdoors Mm -hmm. and uh so I wasn't excited about it, but I didn't dare deny the impression. Mm. So, and then the other thing is I'm pretty type A, and I'm retired and not very busy, and I think it may have cost my wife her sanity if I hadn't (laughs) involved myself around a book. Nice. Um, a book is a big undertaking. Uh, you know, I'm in the, so middle of, in the middle of writing mine, and, and sometimes you get those kinds of impressions like, hey, you know, when we talk about promptings or impressions, we're talking about like that feeling deep, it's like deep in your soul, like a stirring in your soul where you think, man, there's something happening inside. Like there's something that I need to do. Well, it almost feels like I can't not do this. Yes. Right? That's right? to me that's what a nudge or a prompting mm-hmm. feels Absolutely. like is like I can't not do this because it's so clear as day that this is the thing I'm supposed to do. But then sometimes you get asked to do those things that feel so monumental. Mm. Right? It's like how do you eat the elephant, right? You you yeah. think of the word book and I know for me I let it I had that prompting and it took five years before I did anything about it because I was just so afraid to start. Like that's Mm. such a monumental task, right? So Mm. how do you get started? How do you get started with a project like that? 
Well, I read a lot of books, and it's it's a book that has a lot of references um, and a lot of sources, mm-hmm. material, but I chose to begin with what really made us wonder more about the spirit world. Um, I spent 22 years as a pilot in the Air Force, and I happened to be working on a pretty highly classified program, and... Um, one day a call came in from our neighbor and our phone number really wasn't you know released we were we were kind of clandestine in mm-hmm. what we were doing um and uh one of the crew members we were playing a flight at a, a flight test of a new concept stealth I can say now but uh we uh he said Wes, your neighbor just called for you. And I thought, that is very unusual Mm -hmm. for her to have my number to call me at work. This is really strange stuff. Mm -hmm. I picked up the phone, and she said, Wes Russell, I have a two-year, four-month-old son, has been hit by a car. Mm -hmm. And I says, is it serious? And she hung up. Mm -hmm. And... um, probably the longest 20 minutes of my life driving home, not knowing any more than that. Um, When I got close to home, there were emergency vehicles for blocks. I had to park a quarter of a mile away probably. And um, I ran toward the house and one of the EMTs, almost tackled me and said, Wes, your son didn't make it. He's here in this uh, ambulance. Would you like a minute with him? So disfigured, but still warm. And uh, then I broke myself away from there, worried about my family. And my ecclesiastical leader said, Wes, you're needed in the house. Case blaming herself. Mm-hmm. And um, some people have communication with loved ones. We have not with Russell. Well, very little. We sensed him at a, when his sister that was about the same age was married. We Quite a bit of the family knew right where he was. Mm. But we didn't see anything. But um, anyway, um, then, gosh, where to go from there? I, I didn't dare be mad at God because I needed him too badly. Mm. So I stayed with my gospel study, my prayers, all those kinds of things. And uh, Kay had had a little spiritual experience before the accident that probably um, helped her survive it without having it totally change her life. She had had a little impression that we'd had it pretty easy for a while, and this life's kind of challenging. And she said, it said, you've got a little test in store. And she in her heart said, I don't want a test. But her spirit said, okay, if we need a test that we'll go through a test. So then people would say, Russell was called on a mission. And we would say, then how come he never writes any letters home? Mm. And we'd lost our parents. Let's see, I guess we'd each lost a parent at that point. And, you know, you think they can take care of himself. But little Russell was dependent upon us for everything. So... You know, you leave your kids and you think nobody else in the world can take as good a care of them as you do. Right. Mm-hmm. And we struggled with what's it like. And uh, so when I was prompted to write about the spirit world, I immediately thought of that and used it as the introduction to the book. Yeah. A little longer than that, but that was I, probably too I long. really appreciate 
knowing that story. And I actually didn't even know about Russell until, mm. until I began to read this book. And mm. of course we offer our deepest condolences. I don't, it, that's just such a horrific thing, you know, as a mom to even begin to wrap my head around losing a child, right? In any way. In any way. Yeah. And, and like you were saying, Kay, your wife, you know, had, was, was blaming herself and went, went through that journey, I think as, as all of us would. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and so during that time, kind of walk me through what that was, what that was like for you. Um, boy, um, it was a very interesting time of the gravity of it would hit you and almost feel like you were circling down Mm. to hell. Mm. But then at other times, the spirit would come so strongly, spirit of Christ, that you felt joy. Uh, Two things that really helped both of us, when she picked him up off the street Mm -hmm. and took him into her arms and in to rock him, Mm-hmm. though he was gone, um, she could feel that the house was full of rejoicing spirits. Mm. And it made her mad. Mm. She said, how can they be rejoicing like that when I am this miserable of pain? So you're saying that when she sensed that rejoicing, that she was angry in that moment, not in retrospect, but in that in, moment. Those were feelings right there. In that moment, she could feel all of those spirits mm-hmm. and um, could feel that they were family. Mm. But she was angry with them, said, I've just lost my little boy. Um, and how can they be so happy when I am so miserable? Right. And then um, my experience like that happened after the funeral and lots of people were at our house but I could feel that there weren't just the mortal people there Mm -hmm. that it was clear full and there was a party going on just joy Mm -hmm. just could feel the joy and it struck me exactly the same way and say don't you people care anything about me you know Mm -hmm. you've got Russell back but Mm -hmm. how about what it's done to us but so I only, in retrospect, have an appreciation for it, too. So I didn't at the moment, either. Sure. That was our anger phase, I guess oh, you'd sure. say. Oh, sure, which is a completely appropriate for loss and grieving. And um, I'm curious, then, I, I my impression is that you had already had an understanding of of life and an in internal perspective and like, where do we go from here? I'm, I'm sure you had a sense of that. And I imagine that never before had you then taken an interest in what really happens to us when we go from here. Right. Until that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It definitely becomes like a more, well, now you really want to know and you need to know where do we go from here? That's the perfect way to put it back. Cause it goes, it goes from being an abstract thought to like a desperate need for knowledge of like your family, your family members, your son. Right. And as a parent, I imagine that really like kind of ignited that interest in this topic of the perspective of life after death. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was a prompting to write it on that. But then when I got into it, I was delighted to learn. I probably benefited more from the book than anyone else will, but I have found it brings comfort. Knowledge brings comfort when it's good mm-hmm. news. And mm-hmm. and uh, our Heavenly Father's love and what he has prepared for us in our next life through the Savior is joyful stuff. It is. And, uh, and we're getting, we're closer to that point than we've ever been before <laughs> where we'll make the transition. But I was... I stayed with very reputable sources, and if one chooses to read the book, you'll see that 
lots of them have the title doctor or PhD or mm -hmm. something. I try to stay with reputable and and uh, always within harmony of the of the Christ, the, the gospel of Christ, all the way through. But I am really grateful to know that there's so much more to know about the next life. Mm -hmm. But number one thing I think to me was we kind of have this idea of angels and harps and singing all the time. We continue to progress in the next life. Our Heavenly Father is a little more, he's more available then hmm. than he is here. And uh, he has people watching over every spirit and looking for signs of progress. I remember distinctly as a child learning about heaven and hell. And I remember trying to wrap my little, you know, young mind around that kind of thought of like endless time. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I just remember thinking, I am going to be so bored. I'm going to hate this. Huh. Like, I think just going to sleep forever would be a better choice for me because if I just have to sit there and like on a cloud, <laughs> I am going to be miserable. And I remember like as a Aww. child wrestling with this, like, how could I want to go to heaven when it, it sounds like it sucks? Like I can't do this. And so I love the perspective of there being progression in mm -hmm. the afterlife, right? Oh. That it really is a continuation, that it's not an eternal rest situation where we're just sitting there, but we really actually maintain kind of, kind of our identity, right? We maintain yeah, that and yeah. we maintain Same the things that make us happy. And what makes us happy here? Like you, we can all relate. We talk about us all the time. What it feels like to be stuck is the worst, is the worst. And the thing that I love is when we talk about the afterlife and having that perspective of progression within the afterlife, it makes me understand a little bit more the character of God mm. that he values and he knows and he sees in us this need for progression. And he knows that that progression is literally the heart of what makes us happy, is how we have joy, is how we have contentment. And I also love what you said um, about it really never being too late, right? That any glimmer of hope, any glimmer of desire, maybe not even ability, but desire, that no then we... No matter what. No matter what. If that doesn't speak to the character of God being so incredibly mm -hmm. merciful beyond what is even, I think just, we can even wrap our mortal brains around yes. that, that concept does. And, um, we also are captured by time and the people who have been to the spirit world try to explain it, but time is very different than the time that we are trapped in oh, sure. now. Mm -hmm. But there is, this happened, and something else is going to happen. Mm -hmm. There is that concept, but time is really not not anywhere near the constraint mm -hmm. that it is in controlling of our life there. It's quite different, and they say pretty hard to explain, but the, yeah. book, the book goes into quite a bit about so speaking that. of the book, I'm I'm curious to know when um when you when you felt moved and directed to do the book, obviously that would have been a a very appropriate time to dive deep, do so much reading, so much yeah. research, like you mentioned. How does that compare to the research you did um, all those years ago um, when you lost your son? So because I imagine that after maybe during some of that mourning period. And that recovery period, you were probably researching and trying to learn at that time as well so that you could grasp onto something that felt true and real to you. There really wasn't time uh, to do it then. We were busy. We were involved in our religion. Uh, I was worried about Kay's uh, mental health because mm -hmm. she blamed herself, though I, I won't go through all the reasons that... that it was an auto-pedestrian accident, I think I said. Mm -hmm. But anyway, won't go through. S siblings left a gate open, and she had no yeah. idea. But mm -hmm. anyway. Well, I can imagine as a mom all the different ways. 
that I could come up with reasons of why, you know, I could have prevented it. And we had six other children that really needed help then. So there with work and family, there really wasn't... My plate was full. Sure. Yeah. So, so, then so really I what, really didn't think So you about didn't it really. necessarily research things at that time. And maybe there wasn't a lot available. So There's a lot more available now. Yeah. Okay. And so then in your, um, in your early stages of writing the book and researching and learning more, um, what were some of the, the findings that you found to be surprising that maybe you didn't expect to learn? One book I read was by a... A neurologist that was very pragmatic, absolutely age of reasoning, and saw people die and said all this, mentioning their husband or their father or their, mm-hmm. even their pets, was just all imagination. And then he had an NDE. So, and, what is an NDE for those oh, listeners yes, who don't understand? Sure. Near death experience. Thank mm-hmm. you very much, Becky. Yeah, and he had one. And realized that, you know, he was brain surgeon. Mm-hmm. He realized that the mind is really ham- hampered by the brain. Mm-hmm. The brain's kind of this thing that the mind has that, like time has us closed off. Mm-hmm. The, the mind is capable of so much more. And yeah. then you don't have the distractions of uh, sleep, uh, you don't have pain. You don't have suffering. It makes me think of um, how limited we are, oh, right? Yeah, in this, yeah. in, right now, in this mortal experience, we are limited. We have a physical body with physical experiences, and that's great. Mm-hmm. That's part of the whole plan. So um, supposed to be that yeah. God has outlined for us, right? But we are yeah. so limited, and so as you speak about that, it makes me feel um, encouraged with how unlimited. We will oh, absolutely. Be when we go from here. Well, and then and then you look at, you know, I was speaking to someone earlier today and you look at the differences in our mortal experience, right? Like I'm a white woman being born in the United States. Like my reality is very different than a lot of my brothers and sisters all over the world and mm-hmm. and especially in in times past. And it's not you know, that God loves me more and put me in this position, right? Like that's not at all how it is. That's right. And so I love when we kind of talk about that, like shedding of our mortal ailments for lack or mortal mm-hmm. limitations is probably a better, a better way to say it. Um, because it really gives you so much hope. And I envision, you know, with, with Jameson or with, with any child who has had any kind of disability with those being gone. Right. And we talk about this, this mind body connection that we talk about a lot, right? Living in alignment and mind and body and all that. And I think that when, when I love that you said, you know, our minds are so much bigger than our brains essentially. Right. And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. that causes like you can see in society, you can see in the world that mind body disconnect is getting bigger and bigger. You see more kids having disabilities and there, and there's lots of reasons for that. But I firmly believe that, that this is one of those reasons. Like sometimes our bodies have a hard time housing our spirits and our minds Mm -hmm. and how amazing to know that no matter what circumstances you're born with, no matter what, where you're born, disabilities, physical ailments, emotional ailments, like all these things that are so plaguing the world that there is hope to know that that is not going to be a part of your forever, right? right? Like some of those are conditions of mortality and we can still have joy in this life and look forward with so much hopefulness to what is to come. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just a vague sitting on a cloud with a harp like you said. Like this is a very real thing. And I'm glad you said what you did, people around the world, because we have all learned different cultural things, and we're very different. And uh, Heavenly Father is very kind with that. People generally, when they are newly deceased, then they are still pretty nationalistic Mm -hmm. and go with their culture. Mm -hmm. But time, and they're allowed to do that, but as... 
I say time after I've said there isn't time. Right, but yeah. You know, it's a different time. Yeah. They eventually get away from that. Mm, sure. But they're, they'll kind of all associate together and do things the way they did, and then they'll, they'll progress to the point that they get past that. Mm-hmm. And they're not... And everybody kind of comes to the same... That makes sense. Um, I was thinking yeah. about the um, the hope that you speak of, Becky, and that we all feel the hope and understanding more about progression and where we're going from here. Um, I'm curious to know, Wes, on a really personal level, whatever you're willing to share, what kind of hope or comfort have you found in the research and writing the book with dealing with your own loss, not just of your son, but I mean, mm-hmm. we've all lost lots of people. Yes. And so have. what kind of comfort do you find in, um, in the way that you've learned about this? Well, I guess the main thing is I've learned is it's a continuum and this is just a stage. And then we are going to go on to further improvement and further improvement. And we are really pretty burdened. This is you know, the earth life is a tough time in our eternity. And there are just so many of those distractions that are gone. Um, there's no pain. There's no suffering. There is no worry. There's no hot. There's no cold. It's all breezy. Um, people don't worry about their people that they've left behind, mm-hmm. even though maybe a father of a large family, he has a perspective that worry, if he's been a good man, and we're talking, mm-hmm. we want to talk about the higher, the lighter levels, right? Yes. He has yeah. complete comfort that God has everything mm-hmm. under control and that they're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. So I think when we lost Russell, those spirits were rejoicing, knowing, well, they're, they're passing one of the tests of mortality, mm. and we're just really glad to have Russell back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things, um, when I was diagnosed with cancer, um, as you were articulating that, I was having all these like little stirring feelings of remembrance. But when I was first diagnosed, obviously there was, you know, terror. Like when that first happened, just absolute terror. And I remember falling to my knees and praying and just being so afraid and not afraid of what I was going to go through, but afraid more of what my children were going to go through. I was afraid for my husband. I was afraid yes. that my children's lives were going to be oh. ruined. That I that this thing that I was going through was going to ruin them. And um, our church leader came over to our house very, very shortly after. And, and if you've listened to my episode describing my cancer thing, this was kind of one of the first clue-ins that that God really needed me to know Becky Higgins because she actually showed up at my house right before or right, right after I had been diagnosed, right after I got that phone call, she showed up at my door and we weren't even really that, we were, we were not even friends. that good of friends. And I was just bringing dinner. Right. And, and I was just going to run. And then Taylor said, no, come in. I'm like, no, no. I'm, she's like, I don't no, even know her that well. Gonna, I don't want her to come in. Like, invade yeah. in the moment. Right? right. I knew that you were going through some health stuff. I was like, and so she, she had out. no idea that I had been just diagnosed with cancer right. literally minutes before. Yeah. And so she, Becky was able to be in the room for that, for that blessing when our church leader came over to give me that oh. blessing. And during that blessing, which, you know, in, in our church, um, people with a priesthood can, can give you a blessing of comfort, of counsel, of healing by the laying on of hands. And so I was having one of these blessings. And I remember as he laid his hands on my head, just top to bottom, feeling my entire body relax. And I didn't feel like I was going to live. I didn't feel like I was going to die. But for a, for a minute, I just had this sense that it was okay. That like whether I lived or whether I died was irrelevant because it, it was okay. And it wasn't just okay for me. It was okay for my kids. And, and if I was going to die, if that was the path it was going to go, then my death and, and going through that was going to be part of their journey. And it was going to be part of Taylor's journey. And it was going to be this journey our family went on together. And it brought me so much peace that the fear absolutely left. Mm-hmm. And I, truly, I was never mm-hmm. afraid again. I was never afraid of cancer again you really or dying again because I knew that there was just something bigger. There was something bigger at play here and whatever it was, it was okay. 
And in some ways, I mean, it, it sounds heartless to say, but also the most hopeful thing that death is, is okay. Like it's so hurtful. It's unimaginable, right? But, but it is okay. And it's necessary. It is necessary. Because it is part of how we progress. Mm -hmm. I think if if I may, uh, I'm changing the subject a little bit, but when we talked about us losing a son, I, of course, that was always in my mind as I studied this. And I would like to reassure anyone who may be listening who has lost a child, um, especially a younger child, that we have a loving and a just God, and little children are not accountable. Our little boy didn't know that he shouldn't go run out in the street. Of course. And for God to be just, he would preserve everybody who's supposed to have a long life and every little child that goes, whether it's by accident or by disease or even by abuse that was foreknown foreknown to our father who had a plan for that person and there are no surprises in heaven when somebody comes Mm -hmm. home Mm -hmm. and uh, if you are blaming yourself or saying you had terrible luck that little child is unaccountable and was taken home to his father for a reason that we're going to have to see a lot bigger picture than we do now. Mm -hmm. But no child is taken just because this is mortality. Right. It's a much tighter scheme. Almost everyone in there, um, well, a lot of people in the book say, I had no idea that the universe and our world that's part of it is so tightly coordinated Mm. there is order in this Mm -hmm. life we have to see disorder and confusion Mm -hmm. but when we get beyond here then we don't have many of the distractions and we see how it all fits in Mm -hmm. to a big plan i think if you you know the goal for me is always to try to remove distraction, obviously, right? And and I like how you said, in this life, we see disorder. We see chaos. And for heaven's sakes, like, holy chaos. Uh, yeah. And I'm constantly reminded, like, this chaos is the plan, right? This is what is supposed to happen. We can see chaos, right? We see it all around mm-hmm. us. But I also want to add that if we really, really want to, we can feel the order. We can't maybe see it. But we can feel it. We can feel the order if we are making ourselves available to feel it. Agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a great comfort to us when we see something that some would call a coincidence, but it really isn't a coincidence when you run into someone at just the time you need them. Mm-hmm. There'd be a million examples that I can't think of right now yeah. but uh, just you'll, you'll like have Becky a, Becky showing up at my door the minute yes. I'm diagnosed with cancer having no idea yes. what's happening mm-hmm. and here, and then this develops mm-hmm. from right, it. Right. yeah it's all when you have those moments those are great comfort mm-hmm. to know comfort. somebody is this is being orchestrated mm-hmm. yes. to us it has to look like chaos mm-hmm. but it is being organized and um uh, Christ paid the price for all the sins and mistakes we made, so he's in charge. I know that all of us sitting here would agree that um, that orchestration is real and that the Lord is absolutely in the details Mm -hmm. of our life, the inner workings, the connections, the timing and the people Mm -hmm. and the place and the way things work out. There's no doubt that to me brings me hope during mm-hmm. challenges, during loss, during these deeply difficult times. I know that and I understand it. So it helps my perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. I, I, I'm thinking, Wes, about um, earlier you were saying 
that writing this book for you, you feel like no one benefits more than you. And we understand that sentiment because that's how we feel. I think anyone listening would feel that same thing. Anything that you pour all of your heart and soul into, um, whether you're speaking or writing a book or doing Mm -hmm. a project or making a a page that's a story of your life, like whatever it is, no one benefits more than you do, right? Mm. However, I bet you've had some experiences hearing from people who have read the book. Can you share um, maybe a I, couple of those? I, uh, yes, I'd be glad to. In fact, uh, one of them caused me to, I realized I needed to make a better effort at marketing. I have not a clue about marketing, mm. but <laughs> I had ended up in the contact with, with Becky and, and uh, Taylor, who I call him that, but I had a <laughs> relationship for him, with him for a while that he's as a missionary. loving, loving me, uh, yeah. loving like I love his, well, my sons. Mm. But uh, now we're, oh, um, very soon after the book was published, again, I kind of, I'm a, absolutely, I'm a male, so I had thought... <laughs> I love that was the predecessor. I'm a male. Guess guess (laughs) all. I made it, tried to make it pretty um, just informative, but Mm -hmm. I have found from people that it gave them comfort. Mm -hmm. Um, Soon after the book went out, um, I got a text from a man and a mutual friend. He had just lost his wife, Mm -hmm. and he said... uh, uh, I had lost my wife, and your our mutual friend brought your book over, and he says, I have been, um, religion has been my career for 37 years. And he said, I couldn't get the comfort I needed losing my wife. Your book brought that comfort. And then he said, Wes... You wrote that book for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I'd had a few others like that, but the one that finally said, I've got to get the word out more because this is comforting people, was a man looked me up. I don't know how he did it, you know, and uh, I think he emailed me, if I remember correctly, and he said, I lost a little girl about the same age and time as your little boy says it was different it was it was a um, it was illness that happened very quickly hmm. but then he told me all about his daughter and he said since ours happened in the early 80s mm-hmm. and his was roughly around that time and he said this book finally brought me the comfort i needed I think it had to be somebody who had empathy, I guess, maybe. I'm not sure why. But after that, then I had the feeling come over me so strongly. This word, because this can be of comfort to people, you've got to do a better job of getting the word out. Mm -hmm. Well, I I love, you know, we, none of us want to be, seekers of validation Mm -hmm. and yet when we have these passion projects and where we pour so much love into projects even hearing from one person Mm -hmm. that it comforts them or brings them joy or helps them or assists them in their progression that's everything just knowing that one other person can be helped Mm -hmm. is amazing so I'm sure you've heard from many more and will continue to hear from many more but that's wonderful that you've been able to have that kind of feedback. There's no question in our minds that you're making a difference in the lives of those who are, who are benefiting from what you never sought out to do. Right. But then became a completely inevitable thing that you knew you had to do. And what I love about it too, is I imagine losing a child or losing anyone that is a very isolating time, Mm -hmm. right? There are not it's not a mutual circumstance where, Mm. where everyone loses a child and it can feel so isolating. There's so many complicated, um, emotions that go along with that. And so to have a book like this, to have these experiences, and I so appreciate as you know, our listeners know I'm obsessed 
with reading. I'm obsessed with studies and journals and, and all these things. I, I love the amount of intellectual study that was put into this. Mm-hmm. This is a feel good book that is going to give you hope, but it is very, um, it's very intellectually based. And so it's almost like a study of the life to come. It's kind of a research paper to a degree. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But it's, yeah. but mixed in with the very best kind of narrative. Mm-hmm. And I just, I so appreciate this book. It was such a joy, um, to be able to read it. And I know that it is going to bring so many people comfort. It's going to bring so many people the ability to to feel like they're not alone in what they're going through and that there's been other people going through it and that there is information and hope and all this perspective that is to be gained. And so I love, love, love that you did it. So good for you for writing the book. That is a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. But now we need to tell people where can they get the book. The book is called Where Do We Go From Here? The Answers to Your Questions About Our Next Life. And where can people get this? Oh, it's... uh... It's on um, Amazon as uh, a paperback book, uh, an ebook, and well, audio and an audio book. Mm-hmm. So all of them. Yes, absolutely. Um, you can get it on so. Audible. I have the physical copy and the Audible because you know I love to listen and to read. Are you the reader of the Audible? Is it your voice? Oh, I wish I oh. had read it because it's. <laughs> I would have. It was obviously a paid person doing mm-hmm. it, yeah. and they're just pretty bland, and I couldn't have done it without my personal emotion. Sure. And those who have served with me, as missionaries with me have just chewed me out. For <laughs> Was Taylor I one let, of those? Uh, they gave you a hard time. <laughs> yeah. I let Cedar Fort uh, talk me out of doing it in my yeah. own voice. That's mm-hmm. the publisher. And mm-hmm. That's the publisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that was a real mistake. Mm. So, but that's okay. But uh, I've made learned. about every mistake anybody that's written a book's made. I've, I think I've made them all. Well, and oh I will goodness. tell you too, as an author and as someone who is going to be the most critical of your work, I've listened to the Audible and I think it's great. There you oh, go. Oh, good. Well, there that's go. thanks. No. Yes. Well, and no. I have such confidence in knowing that people will get from it what they need specifically to get from it. So mm-hmm. the Audible, it's almost like it doesn't even matter. Totally. Right? People will, will have their own personal experience. I hope mm-hmm. so. Oh, it's it, it's how it works. Yeah. It's how it works. And, and we're so grateful for your willingness to articulate so many thoughts mm. and feelings in addition to the research that had to have been a very vulnerable experience. Now you may have to cut this part, but something that I have been doing is, uh, I, uh, we have a home phone that goes immediately to answering machine. And if anyone would like a signed copy of the book, uh, it's $21 on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would uh, I would sign the book and send it to anyone who just leave your phone number on that phone that we don't answer. Yeah, and and I charge eighteen dollars and uh, and I pay the postage just because I'd really like it to get out there now. If mm. that's, that's awesome. We can put that phone number in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. So, yep. Okay. Yep, yeah, we'll do that. That would be we'll great. Share it. There, yeah. I'm sure there will be people that will take interest. I kind of have one concluding thought that, right. I, that I've been thinking about this whole time. I love how this writing of the book, this example um, of what we're talking about today, and I love how you said that it's for the one. Everything we do in life, right, we have to have that mindset that it's for the one. And oftentimes that one is just ourselves, Mm -hmm. but don't let this like fear of marketing or how far it's going to go or who it's going to reach. Right. Our job is to be available, is to show up and to do the work. Right. Totally. And we get to reap all these wonderful benefits. And then when you create something like a book, I'm so thankful that now I get to benefit and Mm -hmm. it's a resource that I can send people who have suffered loss or, and it's another tool kind of in our tool belt. But I just wanted to kind of end on that thought that like, when you think about, um, those nudges, what we talk about nudges, promptings, those things that you just kind of can't get out of your head, Mm -hmm. that there is a path forward and 
don't worry about getting ahead of yourself. Don't worry about what's going to come of it. Don't worry about where it's all going, right? Focus on the one and sometimes realize that that one is just going to be for you. Mm. And that is the most worthwhile thing you can ever do. I totally agree. Wes, thank you so much for being here with us and for sharing so much of your heart, not just in the book, but with us today. We're grateful to know that there are so many that are going to be impacted. Did you have any final thoughts that you wanted to share before we close? I think I would just want to say one thing that came to mind, So, and it's kind of not real related to the book, but there are people out there who have probably made some mistakes. I was in a position of lay ecclesiastical leadership, and we was a young lady that we were thinking of calling to a position in the church, And uh, I brought her in for an interview, and as I interviewed her to get to know her, she was totally unworthy Mm. to fill that position. Mm. And I was about to tell her that when a prompting came to me, and it came from the Savior in first person, and he said, I have paid for her sins Mm -hmm. and I want her in that position. And because I've paid for her sins, I can call her to it. Mm. And that's how much the Savior cares about us. You know, he's whatever we've done, he's paid for the price for us. And he's still going to give us opportunities and blessings. He has no list of people that he's written off. Isn't that just amazing? It blows my mind. And I wonder how much of this mercy we can't even like comprehend with our mortal, our mortal brains. But honestly, there is no phase. There is no step in our life, no matter how far we think we've fallen, that we are beyond hope, Mm -hmm. that we are out of the reach of the savior. And as hard as we are on ourselves, as hard as we are on each other, that is not the way of Christ. That is not Christ's method. There is nothing that we cannot come back from. That's right. And so there's always reason to hope. No matter what's going on, there's always, always, always reason to hope, not just for yourself, but for the world, for other people within your trauma. And the miracle of God is that he can take anything that we put ourselves through, that someone else puts us through, things that happen to us, things that we create, all the chaos, all the trauma, all the all the things of this world, and he can create meaning and hope inside of them. He can and he does. And he does. Mm. And, and that's a miracle. And in the next life, he does also. Mm. Mm. I love that. I could not think of a better way to to wrap up the thoughts um, from both of you and what you both have said. And I want to remind our listeners that we're so grateful that you carve out the time to listen and that you've joined us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you to write down those promptings and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on and we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Getting more tech educated, nice. I can I can use a mechanical pencil now. Oh, I, I, look I, at you I go! That point, yeah. So twenty twenty one. Anything else besides a mechanical pencil? Not much. iPhone. iPhone? Are you? Can you power on the phone and a computer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, you're two steps. Well, I got a Mac yeah. computer two steps ahead. Too, so. Okay.